Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend in Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. We've got the show's namesake on assignment. <laughs> BJ Shea's not here. He's fishing. He is fishing. He doesn't for... fish. Yeah, I don't think he's fishing did. for board games. Okay, there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's on Kickstarter, and we couldn't tear him away from Kickstarter, and so now he's back to I think 17 games since we just started this podcast. He's <laughs> waiting for his deliveries. <laughs> but running the boards is Joey D's. Hello. On today's show, we will talk about uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and how Leonardo's skin is for sale. Wow. We'll um, talk about animes and uh, the ones you should watch based on your Dungeons and Dragons alignment. We'll talk about how Magic the Gathering is the most complex game ever. Yeah. And of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our podcast blogs and more. more. Or just uh, BJ Geek Nation, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, radio.com app, and iTunes. Exactly. Now, we'll start this off. We ended the show on Friday talking about Extra Life. And I'm going to bring it up again and probably uh, for the <laughs> podcast for the next month or so. Because on November 2nd, the group... From BJ Shea's Board Game Alliance. Yes. Will be playing board games for 25 hours. That's a lot of hours. It's a lot of hours, but you're doing it for a good cause, which is the Children's Miracle Network, helping children um, really kind of get through a, a tough time in their lives if they're having to spend some time at children's hospitals, like uh, the Seattle Children's Hospital well, here in Seattle. And uh, uh, it, it's a good cause, and they do stuff year round, but. For one day, they tell all of their all anybody who wants to do this, hey, play for twenty four hours straight. Get a little delirious with uh, either video games or board games or a mixture of all of those, and do something good. And uh, that is what we are doing. And where were we doing this? At Zulu's Board Game Cafe in Bothell, Washington. Now, if you're not in the Pacific Northwest, it's really simple because you'll be able to go to the Twitch stream, and uh, we'll have all of those links right on uh, the event page that we have, which is pinned on our Facebook page. So go to Facebook. Everyone has Facebook. And I mean, if you don't, just do it anyway. Uh, and check out the BJ Shea's Geek Nation Facebook page. Pinned to the top is the event. Uh, you can click interested, going or not going. I don't care what you do with that. But uh, all the information will be there as it comes along. There will be prizes. There will be fantastic things. And as we get more information, they will be going up right on that event page. Vicky? Yes. You going to be there? I'm going to be there. All right, good. I'll be there. Good. For some amount of time. Yeah, both of you guys can be there, and I'll be on Twitch watching you. Yeah, that's fair. you probably watch me rage off as BJ. <laughs> argument. There'll be a social deduction game that suddenly everyone just leaves, and BJ's just by himself. Mm-hmm. When the table flips, that's when you know. It's a pretty heavy table, so we'll I'm see. I'm a strong man. Yeah, we'll see how that works out. But again, like I said, just on the social media page, you can find that uh, really simply. Uh, Hulk, simply flip. <laughs> Hulk flip. Hulk uh, flip. I wanted to mention this because... I don't know. Sometimes you find something online and you're like, this will be really, really fun to check out. Or maybe this would be a fun thing to buy. But I'm going to tell you what. This is actually pretty creepy. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now, you might remember the movies from, uh, well, uh, is that the, the one with vanilla ice music. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Ninja, you. ninja, ninja rap. They're so amazing. Oh, uh, yeah. So, go, Ninja, go, Ninja, go. It's been almost two and a half decades since Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 was out there. But now you can buy Leonardo's Rotting Corpse. 
All right. Oh, what? Not necessarily the corpse, but it is Leonardo's costume from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, and it is available for purchase. It's a part of the Prop Stores Entertainment Memorabilia Auction held in London. The costume is estimated to be between, between uh, worth between eleven to $16,000. Really? Yeah. Now, according to the official description on the costume, it was originally worn by a Mark Casso, and the Lucky Bidder's purchase includes a, quote, Green turtle bodysuit consisting of foam latex cast elements over a spandex base with dense foam chest and shell elements, leather knee and elbow pads, and a leather sheath set up for Leonardo's swords. Now, looking at it, this thing is kind of wrecked. And as for the condition of it itself, it's quite apparent that the crime-fighting turtle has seen better days. The prop store warns potential buyers that the both the head and the body show substantial breakdown and, quote, require restoration. Uh, so, unfortunately, if you're looking to maybe don this costume for Halloween this year, you might need to do a little work first. So, someone found this in their, like, basement, and they're like, I bet this is worth $10,000. Yeah, essentially. And, man, like, it's kind of cool, but also, like... When they make the joke of the rotting corpse, it looks oh, like it. It looks creepy, dude. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and here's the thing: like, you look at it and you just see the face, and it's got the big smiling face, no. like the big fat, huge Joker type grin, because it was like mostly like an animatronic, weird sort of face. But like one of the eyelids is mostly ripped off. What? Oh, it's a rotting turtle. Yeah, it and like it the looks legs. Like every creepy GIF meme I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's really cool in terms of, like, if you wanted a zombie turtle for your Halloween decoration set up, but also maybe not for, like, $16,000. I'm pretty sure the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are the reason why I love pizza. (laughs) They got me early. (laughs) When I was five, like, you could just eat pizza for every meal, and I thought, that's a good idea. Yeah, right? (laughs) Um, so yeah, so the starting bids are going to be about ten to fifteen. Uh, it's actually starting bids only five thousand pounds. I don't know what the con- conversion rate is on that, but uh, you know, uh, oh man, like yeah, I was just kind of think maybe this one isn't the one for me. Yeah. And I was trying to think what actual props that I would want. And I mean, I just got, I mean, I spent like 90 bucks on two stands for laser etchings for my infinity gauntlets, Ah. Uh, each one that I spent uh, about a hundred each on. So, I mean, there's a sizable investment in that, but I mean, not $10,000. I would love to have a infinity gauntlet that was one of the true movie props, but even like, I can't see myself paying for the 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 ones that they've got the the super lifelike ones but you still can't wear that are going for like a thousand dollars like I'm like yeah that's a little too much for me for my blood on that so I don't think I'll ever own an actual movie prop infinity gauntlet but if you had like millions of dollars like you would commission an actual usable infinity gauntlet oh absolutely I've looked those up man there's people on Etsy that'll do that and they're the one the one that I saw that I thought was amazing was a steampunk infinity gauntlet that lit up and it Ran probably about like twenty seven hundred dollars. Oh, that's casual. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's so beautiful. But at the same point, it's like this is what I'm going to get if I win the lotto. So hey, you got a dream. Yeah, and exactly. So it's like 
posing the question to you guys, if you were to win the lotto, mm-hmm. what prop would you want? So say I wouldn't get the Infinity Gauntlet, I would go for an actual full-size Game of Thrones uh, Iron Throne. Ooh. Oh, that's like, awesome. That would be amazing, and maybe just turn it into a toilet with a bidet. Okay, not, no. Okay. okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe too far, maybe too far no, on that one. Nope, nope, but nope. it would be fun to have something like that, just to be like in my... Just, just sitting there. It's like, is that where you sit? Yes, that's my chair. That, that one's mine. Maybe turn into a lazy boy recliner. Yo, that, would, that would be sweet. A lazy boy throne. Vicky, do you have any uh, movie props or TV props? That something that you know, money is no object. I would absolutely have this in my home. I want Wolverine and X twenty three's claws from the movies. Oh, so would you get like a, a dummy or something to have those, or would they just be like? On like, on, like, I was thinking like a shadow box, but I mean, okay, a dummy yeah. would be fun. Like if I had the whole costume, like yeah. I could do the whole costume too. But the thing with uh, X twenty three, you know, we got uh, Daphne, I believe, was the actress's name. Mm-hmm. She didn't. She had. She didn't have like a full on superhero costume. She just had her outfit, like her regular kid outfit. Yeah. So if they ever show X twenty three like as an adult, I would want whatever leather costume they have her <laughs> in. Because I mean, that's and like, you can do it. I mean, that would be the thing. I mean, and I could I could see you like commissioning yes. actual like claws. I actually then... have a friend who started making me some ones, and then we totally forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta hit him up again. I could just see you running around, and I was like, "Who is that <laughs> little girl running by with the claws? That Dude. seems dangerous." So fun, f- silly fact. Um, so the reason why I love X-23 so much is the first time she ever appeared on screen was on an episode of X-Men Evolution. And so she really? was portrayed. Yeah, it was, this, I think, back in 2003, 2004. She was portrayed as this little 14-year-old girl with brown skin, like brownish skin and brown hair. And that's exactly what I look like. And, you're like, it's and I'm 14 me. and I'm like, it's me. And then flash forward, we finally, you know, I've been obsessed with her since. We see Logan in theaters and we were with our buddy Brandon Jerwa and he comes over to me. And like whispers in my ear, she's you when she starts yelling in Spanish. <laughs> and I'm like, yay! <laughs> Except she was, you know, like 20 years younger than I am. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of how that goes with that one. <laughs> I mean, whatevs, but yeah, she's, they're definitely, it's my favorites. Jo- Joe, do you have anything? Oh, man, I got a lot. Um, oh, wow. okay. So the first, not very realistic if I had a million dollars, billion yeah, dollars, yeah, or whatever, would yeah. obviously be an Iron Man suit. Okay. okay. Yeah. Doesn't wearable or just like in a box? Wearable, to... but doesn't have to fly. Okay. That's a little unrealistic, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. You'll wor- th- That's this, a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. You'll be able to get those upgrades later. Hopefully. Maybe? Yeah, right. Yeah. Then, okay. So then, then a more reasonable one, but still kind of unreasonable, would obviously be, be Mjolnir. Or M- did I pronounce that? Mjolnir? Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Yeah. Mjolnir. Mew Mew? Yeah. Except it's just like the worthy thing where you can only pick it up if it's like. What do you call it? Thumbprint ID. <laughs> oh, dude, that's genius. Yeah, so it it's has like, to see how mine. are you worthy? It locks until it's the only thumbprint would be yours. Yep, yep. That's that is so smart. And then I also want to have it have a special compartment at the top that it opens up and has something cool inside. I don't know, like maybe a bunch of infinity <laughs> stones or something. And then the last one, which is the most reasonable of all of them, would be Magneto's helmet. Oh, dude, good call. Right? That one everyone tries to like talk to me, I'll be like, you cannot read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> You cannot. You, you thought about this a lot. Yeah, you know, I like uh, props. I like cool stuff like that. But other than that, I don't really know. Like, I, I was thinking of, like some really stupid thing, like some sword from one of the X Men movies when Wolverine, like one of the like like a really bad item, like a Deadpool, the first <laughs> Deadpool appearance when he has a sword or something like that. So people could be like, uh, "Why do you have that?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I thought ooh, it was cool." A Deadpool sword would be pretty cool, though. That would be pretty sweet. Fun fun fact. Sorry, I just remembered this, and this is something I'm going to do when I get home today. I bought like a skeleton for Halloween, like a f- I think it's about four or five feet tall when okay. you put it all together and you hang it up from Goodwill. 
Nice. I'm currently spray painting it silver. Wow. I bought a Wolverine dog tags, and I have some old Wolverine claws that I used for my X-23 claw costume. <laughs> and I'm put, gluing those on, and I am making a silver Wolverine skeleton I'm going to be putting on my rocking chair on my porch. Wow, that's <laughs> actually pretty great. He's going to have the claws and everything. There oh, are it's a gonna be lot great. of children in your neighborhood. They're going to yes. be scared. <laughs> there's a bunch of other people that have done some creepy stuff. So I feel like, you know, it's my first time like having Halloween in my neighborhood. So this will you got to uh, you got to put out that impression, I that gotta, first impression. Yep, yeah, I got to put my pirate flag out. It's gonna be great. <laughs> pirate Wolverine skeleton man. This just uh, I, I might just leave all this up year round. Just you know, uh, it's, I, it's always Halloween. I wanted to ease them into it with Halloween. <laughs> nice. Moving on from that, I found an interesting thing that asks which anime should you watch based on your Dungeons and Dragons moral alignment. Huh. Uh, this is on Comic Book Resources. I my me strawberry eggs. What? It's, it's, it's a weird one going on. Okay, then. Uh, <laughs> if for those out there who may not know what the Dungeons & Dragons moral alignments are, it is what you get when you start your character and you decide, well, if I'm going to be a paladin, uh, I should probably be lawful good. So it goes lawful good, lawful neutral, lawful evil, and then uh, chaotic neutral, chaotic good, chaotic evil, and then a uh, couple other ones. <laughs> yeah. And there's more. And we'll go through all of those as we're going along with this. Uh, so this is kind of an interesting one here. So I wanted to look this up and check it out. And I don't know much about a lot of these animes because uh, I'm really kind of more of an old school anime, but it seems interesting. So if you considered yourself lawful good, which means you are you're upholding the law to the letter of the law for the greater good of the greater people. Uh, they say that Demon Slayer is the one for you. They say this popular new anime series follows in the footsteps of Bleach and Inuasha, where the hero okay. travels a fantasy world slaying monsters. In this case, Tanjiro Komodo is a mountain boy whose family is massacred at the hands of demons, and his kid sister is converted into a demon herself. Hmm. He is a stalwart hero in the face of these odds, and though he shows incorruptible moral fiber and courage on his quest to slay the demons and restore his sister's humanity, lying, cheating, and betrayal are unthinkable to him. Which is one of those uh, makes equ sense yeah, equations to the lawful good. Neutral good is uh, cells at work. C e l l s. A neutral good person is a benefactor who will perform good deeds without being rigidly upheld to strict laws. So for the most part, the cells and cells at work are in fact lawful good, but the heroes are not so much. On-screen characters are more interesting when they're unpredictable, and red blood cell, white blood cell, and other all kinds of de they take other kinds of detours on the job. This is a real interesting one on it, this one. I, I like the, when animes or just even cartoons do that, where you take something that's not necessarily alive and you you make it human yeah. in a sense. Yeah, like anthropomorphize it. Right, like uh, even Osmosis Jones. Or yeah. There's a bunch of like comics, like little mini web comics that people add on to of like how Earth is a woman and how she's sick. Yeah. And then like she's like, I'm not flat. It's like, yeah, you're flat. <laughs> flat chested. <laughs> uh, like I think those are really silly because it kind yeah. of – 
I, I, I just love it. And Red Blood Cell is like a narrator wandering off to just explore other body parts and discovering new things the entire time. And where will she end up next? So that's kind of an interesting take on that. Chaotic Good is Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Edward and Alphonse Elric are the very embodiment of chaotic good. While they want to do good, such as restore their bodies and save many lives against evil, they're hardly rank and fi- they're hardly rank and file soldiers. Most of the time, they're going to go off and do their own thing. They stake out on their own, exploring every corner of the world to find the Philosopher's Stone and later help fight the evil homonuclei. Ed makes friends with all types of people, from rogue chimeras to the homonucleus greed and even Scar. Ed is part of the rigid military, but he sure doesn't act the part. In fact, many of the characters in the show are rogues and outlaws in their own way, which essentially is the chaotic good. Those are my favorite. Yeah, those are the ones who stick by their own moral code and laws be damned. Neutral good is ReZero, starting life in another world. Now we get to the entry of the uh, this genre where ordinary fo- an ordinary person finds themselves teleported to a fantasy realm. And that's kind of the, the lawful neutral in those sort of lines. You're like, okay, well, I'm going to obey the laws here, but I'm also kind of all over the place. So. Am I in a game? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is this a game? Is this real? <laughs> uh, true neutral, sh- Samurai Champloo. This is an old school one, actually. And it's uh, what do you fight for? What do you die for? For the least trio, the answer may be, eh, I don't know. And a lot of the times, that's what it comes down to with neutral. They're going to be going with the flow, and a lot of times, it's really hard to play a true neutral character, because if you're doing that, most of the time, you're going to lean on lines of neutral good, because the party's normally going to be good, but like a true neutral character is going to be one that may bounce back and forth between what the party wants to do and what is better for what's going on at that certain moment in time, and that's where a lot of the conflicts go. Like It really gets yep. into that sort of thing. It's like, we should be doing this. It's like, maybe we shouldn't be doing this right now because that's going to not be good for you know this town over here because we're going to be ransacking this town in order to save this other town. Maybe we should be saving this people. And then you get kind of stuck on side quests. I love side quests. <laughs> Chaotic neutral, one punch man. Even though the series began as a webcomic and then became a manga that was adapted into the explosively popular anime, like My Hero Academia, the One Punch Man universe is all about heroes and costumes fighting terrifying monsters and villains, but it's very silly and whimsical. The hero is sort of a parody, and he's so supremely powerful, One Punch can demolish any foe he faces, hence One Punch Man. So chaotic neutral, it's like, we're here to tell a story, but we're kind of just going along with the flow. Like, yep. He has like such a neutral face too. It's just like yeah, eh. kind of a boring face to be perfectly right. Loud. Exactly. <laughs> it reminds me of when you're power loving your friends and you're like, I can kill all of these units in one punch, and they're like, I got stabbed. They're hit by a bow. I'm dead. Yeah. Help. Uh, this one I I know pretty well because I did enjoy it. Uh, for lawful evil, which is seriously, it's like it's like the 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 big bad, the evil priest who's hiding behind the society's norms to do evil acts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Death Note fights fits that one. And they say it's yes. thrilling to watch because it's a supernatural crime thriller starring the battle of wits between Kira and L, two geniuses who claim to be the proper justice. Uh, subjectively, it can said that Light Story is a Greek tragedy where an innocent teenager becomes a monster 
monstrous serial killer bent on ridding the world of other criminals and paradoxically, paradoxically becoming one himself, which, I mean, that's one of the things. It's uh, even in, in, in Batman in the Dark Knight, it is, uh, you know, die a hero or live long enough to become the villain. This is sort of what it's going to be. It's It starts off being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do these terrible things. And then suddenly it gets a lot easier to start writing people's names down in that notebook. Yep. He's a good person. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, neutral Evil, Lupin 3. The Neutral Evil alignment is about selfish and destructive acts without adhering to a cause being neither a monster nor lawful about it. These characters are often hedonistic and make up the rules as they go and a lot of times to benefit themselves. Uh, and someone else has to pay the price. Monkey Punch's long-running series Lupin 3 stars a quartet of characters just like that. We got the master thief, the hired gun, the cat burglar, and the Ronin. All of them are not malicious, and nor do they take lives during their adventures, but they love to steal, they love to outsmart the police, and they cause lighthearted mayhem wherever they go. That was one on back in Adult of the Swim when I was a young kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's got that it's got that older school anime style too. Oh, it's so funny. It's just over the top ridiculousness. It's mostly just heists all the time, but they never succeed because they're terrible at them. <laughs> so it's just the whole like how are they gonna get away in their the, the, It's the, essentially the, every single D D party where everyone's kind of hanging around having a few brewskis and deciding, well, yeah, we're going to uh, try to seduce the bar wench. And also, oh, there goes the rogue. Oh, he's going to go pickpocket the, the yep. innkeeper. Mm. Why are you doing that? Well, the bard's having fun. I'm going to have fun. You're like, oh, dear God. As a DM, usually these are the worst, but they're not the worst. That would go for the chaotic evil characters, oh, God. which mm. they claim Dragon Ball Z is for all of you chaotic evil people. Really? Now. They say this is not to say that our beloved Goku is evil. He himself is more like a chaotic good. Yes. But around him are all types of chaotic evil heroes and villains alike. Prince Vegeta, for example, is a sort of ally who has a bitter, bitter rivalry with Goku, but can be counted on to defeat the really bad guys. He but, ends up being pretty good at the end. He ends up marrying Bulma and has a kid. But he's also selfish and destructive. Oh, and he's an no evil. one's idea of a hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And of course, someone who likes chaotic evil characters is here for the villains. And most of Dragon Ball Z's villains are like demons whose idea of a good day is enslaving the entire race, blowing up a planet, regicide, and becoming the ultimate life form and supreme ruler of the universe. That is chaotic evil in a nutshell. So, yeah, good luck with that. They blow up a lot of planets in that show. <laughs> Do they really? Oh, yeah. I mean, like every season, another planet gets destroyed. <laughs> of course. So that's why they have to have the Dragon Ball, so they can wish the planets back. <laughs> is that how that works? Pretty much. I stopped following for such a long time ago. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so that's kind of the D&D alignments. It kind of gets our D&D quota out of the way for that, so it's kind of fun on that note. Uh, moving on from that quickly, and Joe, I know you can as as uh, attest to this. Uh, according to people at MIT, Magic the Gathering is officially the world's most complex game. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Wow. So great on us learning to play that when we were young. Take that, Chess. I yeah. played it once. They actually took computers to try to figure out and try to measure the complexity of the game. Now, they tried to do that by encoding it in a way that can be played by a computer or a Turing machine. And it con the construction of this actually establishes that is the most complicated, uh, computationally complex real world, ga world, world game known in literature. I can't even say it. It's that complicated. Wow. Uh, and one of the things is because there are so many different avenues to take, whether it 
comes down to just the simple fact of playing a land. Is it the correct land to play at that time? When to do things? And I think it kind of lends towards the fact that this is one of those games that while chess always has moves that you will know and standard openings with magic and the fact that you can be playing against a person who is playing a vastly different deck from the person that you played previously in a tournament you have to do different things. You have to different tactics. Do you mulligan? Uh, depending on who you're playing against, it might be beneficial to play second. There's a lot of little tiny things that give you 1% or 2% better chances to win and that suddenly come and you're like, oh, yeah, someone notices, oh, you should have done this you know, eight turns ago, and that would have led you to this to win, and you're like, I can't. I can't do that. I can't do that. Yeah, I wonder if it has to do with the ever-changing card pool that it has, that no game is ever the same, essentially, because your opponent can always change what they want to play, and therefore you have to keep learning every game. And that's the thing, too. It's based on the resources required to solve all of the problems that are coming out. Like, computers are you know, vastly superior to the human intellect when it comes to those sort of things, doing those tasks, but having to look at that and then understand and then realize previous games and all of your previous knowledge on all of that uh, essentially, the fact that being able to do that, and, and they get into a lot of deep, deep math in this. I mean, it's MIT people, um, but it's just it's it's so far and beyond the difficulty on any other thing. Uh, it helps a lot. I mean, I equate chess and Magic: The Gathering to me helping out figure out even so, something as simple as driving. Because it's look three steps ahead. Realize that the person in front of you may do something completely unexpected and to expect the unexpected. And a lot of times with magic that has to be because you see someone with four mana untapped, you don't know what they're going to cast. Yeah, complex problem solving essentially where like you said, you have to think several steps ahead. And it's not like chess where you know, you can only do certain things, right? Because magic changes depending you know, on what you're playing, who you're playing against, you know, even sometimes what format you're playing or any of that. So... Yeah, you got to learn a lot, and you got to learn what the cards do. You have to remember memorization comes in a bunch. I yeah. Mean, so if you know how to play Magic, or if you've ever learned and you're even slightly proficient at it, and if you're good enough to be able to teach someone to do that, you're a pretty special person at that point. Like, congratulations. Exactly, congratulations. I mean, Magic is a very fun game, but very, very complex. And every year they're adding more complexities into it to keep the people playing, give them something new. Uh, Rise of Eldraine, uh, Throne of Eldraine is one of those that is the exact same sort of thing. Uh, adding adventures. I was like, there's a lot going on in these cards. Once you understand the concept and you've played Magic for a while, it's easy to understand it and figure it out and play with it. And it makes a lot of sense thematically. But also, I mean, it, it is very complicated. Go play Magic. It's fun. <laughs> I swear. Exactly. Yeah. Download Arena now. I promise. <laughs> well, now it is time to get to the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, what's going on? Uh, so I part, I'm a part of a couple of board game groups and meme pages and stuff like that. So I'm constantly getting all these memes. memes. And this one's actually kind of interesting. It's kind of a meme, but it's a question. Okay. And I don't know how to answer it. <laughs> all right. What video games do you want to play when you have an itch for a table RPG, you know, for any table RPG games, uh, that just needs a scratch, but no one else is around to play? 
Interesting. There, so there are some comments on this thread, but I wanted to hear from you guys. Okay. So the first thing I would say would be if you want to get that RPG experience and have the tabletop RPG experience, it's going to be mostly difficult um, because the the player experience is going to be going to be the biggest things when you're doing the tabletop. Uh, but beyond that, uh, the first one that comes to mind is Skyrim. Yep. Okay. It's one of the biggest out there. It has the most replayability, and it is on literally every single console or PC that you want. I have it for my Xbox. I also have it for... Actually, I only have it for the Xbox and for my VR, uh, which is a little interesting to play, and I'm still trying to get the hang of it, but it is, it's is—it's—it's the same game across all of that. Um, heavily moddable, so if you want to kind of go into the ridiculous territory mm-hmm. or, or even just kind of spice up the graphics a little bit, you can do so. Uh, I think that's a really good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say uh, Witcher 3 as well, which is another open-world RPG, mm-hmm. and so a lot of these are going to be those open-world world RPGs where you can you have a storyline but you can go somewhere else and do something else with that. Interesting. What about the World of Warcraft? I was going to ask about that. That is a pretty solid choice as well. A lot of the MMOs, yeah, I would kind of agree with that to uh, a certain aspect. Uh, I would even go maybe go with like WoW Classic at this point. And even with World of Warcraft, the original, uh, as it's going on right now, you can play for free up until like level 20. So it can be one of those ones, you know, it's hey, the first tale will get you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's free, so you'll be able to check it out and see if that's something along those lines. Yeah, that's definitely one of those. And even Dungeons & Dragons has Neverwinter Nights, which is a free MMO which I know I played on P- on uh, Xbox, but I think it's available on other consoles as well. Those are some really solid ones as well. Uh, what are some of the people saying, though? Uh, one of the person on the thread, Wesley, says, Divinity, Divinity Original Sin does that for me. Good turn-based oh. combat, exploring, and lots more. Uh, someone named Lee says, any of the Dark Souls games, yes, it's yeah. short on dialogue sometimes, but the settings and lore are amazing. Yeah, yeah, and that, b- one of the things with that is... Uh, uh, it'll generally it's it's a brutal game, which means uh, you don't it's it's a lot of memory stuff like, oh, I, I die here. So now I have to make sure and remember to duck. And then as soon as you duck, you die again. And you got oh now I got to duck and jump right after that. It's a real throwback to the old school video games that are really brutal and uh, are very unforgiving. So kind of be ready for that one. Uh, Bartos says never winter nights is my guilty pleasure. Yeah, and Play both of the games uh, mm-hmm. so much. So many times that I basically memorize lots of the quests. Yeah, and that's one of those fun things, too, even going back and playing Skyrim. Mm-hmm. It's like I have a certain thing that I'm going to do, and I've played it so many times, and I'm like, oh, I want to play a different character this time. Oh, I want to play a different character this time. No, it's always sneak arrows. Like, sneaking, bowing, and that's, <laughs> that's all about all I do with that. Uh, this one's completely out of left field, but uh, Jess says, probably doesn't count as a video game, but my friend and I play Sims. We do challenges like the homeless Sim challenge and try to make our way to being rich. It's quite fun, and by we, I mean we can both be doing this separately, though we also like to create ourselves on each other's games so we can use them to make a party. <laughs> nice. And to be perfectly honest, like there are very, there are a lot other different settings than just the high fantasy setting of Dungeons & Dragons. You got Shadowrun, which is, well, it mixes magic, but it's also set in the future. You've got a lot of post-apocalyptic games. With like Skyrim at the same point, I'd even say like a Fallout. Uh, any of the Fallout games would be the same thing as well. Yeah, Fire Emblem on Switch, the new one that just came oh, out yeah. is very similar to that yeah. too. Or any of the old Final Fantasies as well. Oh, yeah. Like, those ones are staples when it comes to the RPG genre. Seven's getting remade and launched somewhat soon. Yeah. <laughs> kind of exciting on that end. Oh, yeah. All right. So this is a, a post on Imager, and it kind of blew up, and I did a little digging, and I found this to be really, really awesome. So a gal named Eden posted, 
I went to a nerd bar and rolled for my shot. I crit failed and had to do a tequila and hot sauce. Yuck! Also, their build-your-own-burger has rolling dice and filling out character sheet. And she wrote, edit, this was at Storm Crow in Toronto. My burger was a jackfruit mushroom and bacon burger on a baguette. And I added pictures of the shot on her thing. Um, but I was looking at the menu and it is ridiculous. And it made me really want to go to Toronto now. And I've had other reasons to want to go to Toronto. <laughs> and I'm looking at, uh, it's like called Dungeon Burger, uh, mm. where you can, you know, for 18 bucks, it includes, granted, this is Canadian. So keep oh, that yeah. in mind. Yeah. Includes three toppings and three sauces. And you choose your own or roll the dice. So for like the bun, you can pick from sourdough. Sour, sourdough or gluten-free. So if you go from one to three, you get sourdough. From four to seven, you get gluten-free. And then you roll a D10 for your meat. And they have options like <laughs> pulled pork, barbecue, uh, pulled barbecue jackfruit, which is like a vegan yeah, option. Yeah. Huh. Beef patty, Decent. veggie patty, fried chicken, grilled chicken, pulled pork, shaved prime ribs, salmon, double patty, triple patty, there and it tells you what numbers. There doesn't necessarily seem to be a critical fail on that one. Nope. No, unless you're not a big fan of one of these things. Yeah, right. Um, you can do elite toppings. Uh, you can pick, uh, I believe, three of the toppings, so you roll for each one. So, like, one to two is pickled onion, three to five is bacon. Uh, you could also, oh, there's other buns, too, my bad, because uh, you do a 20-side for the die for the bun. There's also a potato bun in the baguette. Mm. Cheese, cheddar, goat, uh, mozzarella, gruyere. Gruyere. Thank you. I can't say it. <laughs> Daya, which I don't know what that is. And then they have other random toppings as well. It's oh, I rolled the one I can't pronounce. Well, I hope it's good. Yep. Uh, <laughs> they also have toppings like veggie chili, like vegetarian chili, tortilla chips, jalapeno mushrooms, red onions. So that is freaking awesome. And I was really bummed that it was in Toronto. So I started doing a little research. Mm-hmm. Apparently... There's two other locations, and both of them are in Vancouver. Vancouver. Canada. Okay. Well, I was like Vancouver, either if it was Vancouver, Washington, or Canada. It's very close to us. Right. So it's, so I'm it's really still a road excited. trip for us. I want to do a road trip. So there yeah! is um, there's Storm Crow Manor, which is the one in Toronto. And then there's Storm Crow Ale House, which is in Vancouver. And then there's Storm Crow Tavern, Vancouver, as well. And I believe, Interesting. I don't remember which one, Ale House or Tavern has the, the burger option menu. Well, now I think it's time for us to road trip. So if anyone mm-hmm. is living or has been to Vancouver and knows some other geeky and nerdy uh, spots to go see, let us know. Dude, and the names of their food, Teenage Mutant Deep Fried Pickles, Bulbasaur Brussels, nah. Return of the Yam Fries, <laughs> Green Arrow Salad, Shark Attack, Shashushka. I'm so hungry. I know. The Land of Ooh Benny. <laughs> uh, Storm yeah, Burger. Storm Burger! <laughs> well, until next time, guys, stay nerdy.